0: That was beautiful. I haven't heard that. Yeah, you haven't sung that song. We used to sing it all the time in a long time. Very sweet, Connie. Thank you. I'm going to just move this chair over here because I have several questions. So today is Ask Ariana Day. If you um, have not been here for this, we do this once or twice a year, usually around the beginning of the year and then somewhere in the middle by the way how many of you received magical mail in the last week or so Ooh. so if you don't know what we're talking about I'll tell you that on New Year's Eve we do what what is called a burning bowl ceremony and at the burning bowl ceremony you have the opportunity to release something we release it using flash paper so you hold it over a candle and it goes and it's gone which is really cool and then you have an opportunity to write a letter to yourself about about your heart about where you are moving into this new year a letter of encouragement and love and deep divine connection to how you move forward and you write that letter put it in a self-addressed envelope and leave it with us and we mail it to you in July which is really, by July, you've forgotten what you wrote. So it's really sweet. You get this love letter from yourself that reminds you where you are in your year and, and what you had on your mind when the year began. And for some of us, it's a little bit motivating because we write some things in there about what we intended to create and realize we're halfway through the year. We better get on it. So... Um, I just want to thank Larkin for remembering. I don't even think about that. I hand them off to the administrator, so thank you for remembering to send those out. It was sweet to get them. So I got several questions, and I got a couple that came, in the, um, came back in email. And I want to start with those two uh, because they are really good, really good questions. So this one, first one is i do believe that our thoughts create our reality but i wonder sometimes when we're expecting something bad and it doesn't happen and then we're pleasantly surprised why didn't our negative thoughts create our reality why didn't our negative thoughts create our reality so first of all i want to say to you in a very black and white way the belief that our thoughts create our reality can be a dangerous one. It can make us very afraid of our own, our own contemplating. So I, I want to share with you my take on that because I think we can go into, into, um, kind of la la land with that belief. Our thoughts create our reality. Well, then I'm going to spend the next two weeks thinking about the $20,000 check that's going to show up in my mailbox. <laughs> right? We, we can put a whole lot of focus on something and be really disappointed because we were taught an idea and it didn't come into fruition. And Ariana, that's what you said. How come that check I thought really hard? How come I even put my heart into that? How come that check never showed up? It's an over that statement can be an oversimplification, can't it? Of a concept that's really important. So this is a very important teaching. It's a core teaching in unity that our thoughts create our reality. I want to say to you in a very black and white pragmatic way. It's about how you think about life when it comes. It's not just about creating life. It's about where is your head when you're moving through life? Do you believe that the universe is working for you or against you? Do you believe that, that people around you, in, at the basic level, have, most of them anyway, have a good heart? and are trying to do what they believe is correct. This is really important in our political environment, isn't it? It's really important. We either believe that people are coming from their genuine, authentic, honest heart, or they're not. So when I read on Facebook some of the comments about if you believe this, get off my Facebook page. You don't belong here, you're an idiot. Quote, quote, those are not made up words. When I read that, I think, wow, what is the experience you are creating in the world? The life you're creating is that if people don't think exactly the way you do, there's something terribly wrong with them. When we begin to believe there's something terribly wrong with people, we're, on, we're taking the first steps towards those people no longer feeling like people. Very important for us to be careful with this statement what you think is what you create how you think moving through life defines the life you will experience do I believe that at some point I can create something because I thought about it enough if I put actions behind those thoughts yes if I just sit on my chair and do nothing but think no Charles and Myrtle Fillmore began these teachings based on a process they experienced that involved active prayer, dedicated time, and action. Not just, I think I'm well and that's it, I'm going to go go by my regular day, but a dedicated devotional practice to communication with the holy. Myrtle's healing process involved talking to every part of her body, speaking to it, being grateful for it, seeing, envisioning, and actively feeling all of her body returning to health. There was an action. So if you get really mad at somebody on the road and you think, "What that? Blah, 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 blah. is wrong with you. That's not, you did not just curse them for the rest of the day. That was you being human. When you come back from that, when you roll back and you go, Mm, blessings on you sorry have a safe day if you're gonna drive like that be safe that is also how you're experiencing your life and we would say this to our children wouldn't we we would say this to our young children how you think about things will define how you experience them and that I believe is our greatest creative energy in life so that's why I think sometimes when we think negative things it doesn't happen The second question is, whoops, that's the wrong one. That's the one I just answered. This one is Florence Govel Shin, who is a Unity author um, that many of us have read, really great author. Florence Govel Shin states in her book, all sickness comes from sin or violation of spiritual law. Do you agree? Yes and no. We don't use the word sin very often at Unity. We don't use the word sin because we have an old theological idea about what sin is. But in its short, sweet version, what Charles Fillmore taught was that sin is wrong thinking. So if we look at uh, someone who has received a diagnosis of cancer and we say to them, well... It's, that's, you know, something about what you've been thinking or doing. So how did you create this? To me, that's metaphysical malpractice, right? We're, we're now attaching blame to something. If we look in a grand picture and we say, we have a problem with cancer in our society, it's showing up more than it ever has. Where are we as society wrong thinking? There are a thousand places we can go. We can go to the chemicals that we clean our houses with. We can go to the estrogenics that come through our foods. We can go to pesticides on the food we consume. We can go to lots of different things that we know expose us to carcinogenics. So, is that cancer related to wrong thinking? The fact that we are not addressing those things or correcting them would say there's some wrong thinking going on in mass consciousness that is affecting us, right? And how we think also damages our bodies. We know that if we, if we stress and we worry, our immune systems are affected. We know that. Scientifically, we've proven that. So is it true that, that we are wrong thinking if we're allowing ourselves to be stressed and, and uh, overworked and over-worried, is it wrong thinking? Well, yeah, we're not taking care of it. But if you're using this, again, and it's very basic, black and white, um, you know, you got sick, you got cancer, it's a sin. Uh, that's not the way you want to think about this. We do want to take this more seriously. We do want to look at these issues of illness and take them more seriously. You can step outside of that even to someone who gets hit by a drunk driver. Is the victim engaged in a sin, a wrongful thought? No, just walking across the street. Nothing. Is the driver engaged in a wrongful thought? Yeah. The thought of I'm going to get behind the wheel while I'm in this state. So really important to understand what Fillmore was teaching. He's saying that we are by nature meant to be in divine balance. He really believed, Charles Fillmore Fillmore really believed that if we could get ourselves in order, we would live forever. That it's our wrong thinking, our, our way of living, that affects our lifespan. So... Uh, these, these very simple unity teachings can be taken way out in left field if they're not thought through using reason. Last week we talked about Thomas Aquinas and his teachings of reason. It's very important that we combine these spiritual pre, uh, principles with reasonable thought. Otherwise we end up really hurting each other by making each other feel blamed. That whatever is happening to us, we did something wrong to cause it. And that belongs to that other church that I don't go to anymore. (laughs) Right? That's not the way we do things around here. All right. I'm going to save that one. There was one in here that I wanted to answer. Basically, this is a question of I know you were raised in one discipline and worked in another discipline and we're ordained in another one. And I was, I was here when you were unity ordained. How many disciplines were you ordained in and um, what, spiritual disip, what spiritual disciplines have you studied? So this is a get to know Ariana story. So I grew up Catholic. My mom is Italian. my My great grandparents immigrate, uh, my immigrated here from Italy and I was raised Roman Catholic, and I loved Roman Catholicism. I loved the pomp and the circumstance and the incense and the candles and the everything. And you can't, as a woman, at that time when I was growing up, you couldn't serve in this role or be an altar boy. (laughs) So that moved me away from Catholicism into evangelical, uh, Pentecostal Christianity. With an organization called The Way International, and The Way International was a college campus ministry that um, uh, spoke in tongues and uh, was was very. It was a very interesting time in my life to just be a part of something that was so charismatic, and that lasted about six months. And at the end of six months after all that experience we kind of got back around to the knock on doors tell people they're going to go into hell part which just never worked for me so i i had a really difficult kind of breakup with the way Um, and it wasn't my way and i moved out of that and for about 10 years just read what i what interested me and uh stayed away from from any kind of religious faith any kind of religion I was spiritual and not religious and one morning in October um, I picked up the newspaper in San Antonio and on the front it was October every October it happens here too they run stories about magic and witchcraft and all kinds of things on the front page of the newspaper and so I picked up the front page of the newspaper and I read the front story and it was one of those stories and on this little side column was a list of all the things that were the actual beliefs of this particular faith and so I read through all of those and I put the paper down and I sat there for a minute and the man who was my ex-husband now um, was sitting across from me and he said are you okay and I said no no, I'm not okay at all. Everything in this side column is actually what I believe. It's really all of this that we're one with nature, that we're interconnected to our life, that how we use our minds and our hearts affects change in the life. All of these things are things that I believe in. it sent me in a tailspin to go out and look at pre-Christian European traditions and... Um, indigenous tribal culture and uh, and even on into Hinduism and other faiths and what I found over the years is that these these beliefs that were in the side of that column that were in that side column in the newspaper were universal truths that move across almost all faiths Um, And so I that that kind of spun me sideways Just uh, coming out of a a faith that was one faith, this is what we do, this is all we do. And um, I was involved in that study for about 20 years. And during that time, I went to New Mexico Theological Seminary and was ordained in interfaith ministry. Um, I was ordained in interfaith ministry because on that journey, I met lots of people who wanted to marry each other who were not the same faith and could not go to their house of worship and be married because they weren't the same faith. So uh, in 1996, I was ordained in interfaith ministry. In 1998, I enrolled in an MDiv program. And in that program, I was invited to come up with a thesis, with a, what is called an active thesis, which means that you will create some kind of a program that's at least two years long and teach it and i taught a course in interfaith ministry for two years wrote and created and taught a course in in interfaith ministry through all of that and having moved to colorado i met reverend lawrence who was the minister here we got to know each other Um, derek introduced us and uh, and through our getting to know each other i was invited to speak here and I, over the course of a couple of years, went from speaking once or twice a year to being Lawrence's kind of standby whenever he was out of town. So I was speaking four or five times a year here at the time that, um, that Lawrence gave his resignation. And through a, an interesting and mystical experience, which I will not sh- I'll share another time, I uh, felt very called to this position. I spoke to the board. The board was happy to have me come in as an interim. I was here for six months and invited to stay. During that time, I was here for six years before I took a uni- unity ordination. And the reason is I had to make sure that I could teach unity and that everything that I believed would fit in inside of unity because I really felt like I was going into a box and I needed to be able to teach everything that I've learned along the way. And it took me six years of asking lots of questions and studying before I felt very confident. I'm very, very confident with my ordination as a unity minister that what unity teaches is universal law. Unity teaches what is truth and calls it capital T truth because it comes from so many sources and has been practiced, used, and experienced over and over again. And I uh, feel very solid in that. So that's why I'm here. Okay, this is a good one. Can we go back and forward in time? This will be the last one. Can we go back and forward in time to support our younger self and to meet with our future self? Suggestions for doing this. So my answer is yes. My answer is yes for lots and lots of reasons. First of all, I believe in reincarnation. Uh, as do many people in unity, not all people in unity, but many people in unity do. So, um, because I believe there's an unending eternal chain to life, that our soul continues, I believe that we can not only go back to where we've been before, but we can go ahead to where we've been. We kind of, because we live time by a clock that says it only goes one way. We think that that's the truth. The clock only goes one way. That's all we can do. But the reality is time, time is very different than what we think of it. It's a, more of a form and structure than it is a movement. And um, we have the ability to still ourselves and to connect with our younger self and our older self. And this is not just an Ariana belief. Um, those of us in this community who are Jewish... We'll understand that the Jewish faith teaches us to pray for who we've been to heal ourselves, to heal who we were so that who we are now is more healthy. And also that we have the ability not only to pray for ourselves, but that by how we live, we have the ability to heal the souls of our ancestors. That our life directly comes out of their life. And the quality of how we live heals not only us and who we've ever been, but heals the, the deep eternal soul of our ancestors. So these are, this is a belief that you'll find in many faiths. How do you do this? There's a great series of books by an author named Hank Wasselman. Write it down. There's paper in the back of the seat. Hank Wasselman who's had some really interesting experiences with this. He does it mostly through meditation, being still and reaching back, moving forward in the same way. So here are some things that I recommend if you want to commune with your younger self or a lot of us reach out to our old, to the perfect. If if I were to reach to my wise future self, I would reach to the the version of my wise future self who has achieved my life purpose. Who is on the divine, perfect divine path. And I would reach out and say, I'm looking for guidance. Please stay with me, walk with me, and help me to make the right turns. Go through the right doors. Be there to guide me. So... A couple of things are really valuable. Having a practice in one place, choosing one chair, one place that you will sit when you're in meditation or you're in this kind of work is valuable. It's familiar and over time you develop a sense of safety. It's kind of the same thing as you could drive 17 ways to work, couldn't you, in six different cars, but because you take the same car and you drive the same way to work, you don't have to think about every turn. Do you? It's almost like your car knows where it's turning. It's the same thing. When you want to create a metaphysical path, you want to create a path that you can work over and over in the same way, because over time the path unfolds and becomes easy to find. So when you sit in the same chair and you say the same prayer to begin, your spirit automatically goes, Ah, I know where exactly where we 're going, and you don 't have to think into every step of I want to go back to when I was let 's see fifteen years old you don 't have to think through that. You can allow your spirit to guide you, so finding a, a place that is comfortable that feels safe, if it feels good to you to light a candle, light a candle, if it feels good to burn incense, burn incense. I have a particular necklace that belonged to my grandmother that uh, belonged to my mother was passed on to my mother and was passed on to me if my house was on fire it's the thing I would go find so I put that on because it connects me to my past and because I know it's precious enough that it's very likely it will be with me in my future so Putting it on for me is a change of state. It's a change of connection. So there are many steps that you can take and they'll come to you. As much as I can give you ideas, I can also tell you that these understandings developed over time in practice, not because someone sat with me and told me how to do it, um, although I did have some suggestions, but also because little ideas like that necklace came to me and things will come to you. Things will evolve for you in your practice. First and foremost, create a practice. Something that you will devote yourself to. If it's 10 minutes, 10 minutes. When I first started meditating, I would lay on my bed. Just lay there for 10 minutes because I thought, certainly I can lay still for 10 minutes here. Took a long time to stop falling asleep. (laughs) You know, Start a practice. Reach out through your memory. You'll be surprised that you have memories going forward as well as backward. Okay, I have some quotes for you. And I have, as you can see, probably another half dozen of these. I'm going to take these over the next few weeks, and I'll answer these in the e-bulletin. Okay, so I will, I will take the time to answer these. I really appreciate you giving them to me, and we obviously can't cover all of them, but we'll, we'll get to them. So these are, these are quotes for life, just general quotes for life. This first one I really like. It's from Mahatma Gandhi, and he said, my life is my message. And I think if we just all lived by that, we would live differently, wouldn't we? The next one is Marcus Aurelius, who said, very little is needed to make a happy life. It is all within yourself, in your way of thinking. It's just what we talked about. And this is from Ben Franklin. He said, do you love life? Then do not squander time, for that is the stuff life is made of. Mm. Bob Marley said, don't gain the world and lose your soul. Wisdom is better than silver or gold. And Tony Robbins, who I'm a big fan of, says this and I believe it. The only impossible journey is the one you never begin.